1992, my family and I were privileged to move to Granbury. We lived in Western Hills Harbor for a couple years. After two years, in the summer of 94, that July, we moved into a house in Mountain View Estates, which is over by Lakeside Baptist. And we've been living there ever since. The first few months there, we had things worked on in the house. And we had to have some work done on linoleum in our kitchen, and a crew came out to work on it, and one of them was this good-looking guy named Scott. With hair down to here. Yeah, hippie dude. I guess a couple years later, a year later? Uh, It was probably less than a year later. He started coming to church. We became friends, have been friends ever since. And I consider him a really good friend. Back in those days, we had a rent house in Irving, and one day my ox was in the ditch, I had a third of the roof off, and it was pouring down cats and dogs. And Scott came all the way from Granbury to help rescue me, and we put a tarp over that thing. And I was just in a desperate place. And so he's a good man. He's able to do everything, anything. He's a great singer, and as you'll see, he's a good teacher too. So, And he's a newlywed, and so he's coming to bring us a word. So Scott yeah. Stoddard. Thank you. I was praying a couple of weeks ago, and... I really felt like the Lord wanted me to come, basically, and give my testimony. Uh, You say, well, what do you know about being single? I was married twice, and neither one of the marriages lasted. My first marriage lasted about five years, which it was really over after about three. And my second marriage didn't last a whole year. And uh, so from 1990 to 2010... I've, I've been single. You know, I actually lived in a house with a woman. Uh, we didn't have sexual relations. And I told her when I moved in, I'm not in love with you. I'm never going to be in love with you. If you want to share bills and split the bills and be friends, then we will do that. But don't ever expect anything from me as far as a relationship goes beyond friends. I was wounded pretty bad. I had built a wall that was pretty impenetrable for almost any woman to ever get through. And after probably about 15 years of that, you know, I got, I came to a point, I started going, in 96, I started coming to church. And after about 2000, I guess it was around 2005 where I started having this desire to to have a wife and somebody to share my life with. Uh, so, the part of my, if I was to tell my whole testimony, we'd be here all night, so I'm going to give you the short version. Uh, my mother died in May of 2005, and uh, we went up for the funeral, and it was about a year later. It was 10 months later, I guess. Uh, my my dad needed some help with the house because they had accumulated all these things in the house, and it just three-quarters of it needed to just be thrown out, so... I went up and spent a week with my dad. He rented a huge dumpster, and we threw tons of stuff away. We filled up, I believe it was a nine-square-yard dumpster full of just junk. And during that time, I felt uh, I had been familiar with Kenneth, uh, I'm sorry, Keith Moore's ministry and Faith Life Church in Branson, and I went to visit there on a Wednesday night. Uh, of course, my dad didn't go, but I went. And... Uh, visited that church and I really felt the spirit of God was telling me I want you to pick up roots come and live in Branson and be a part of this church and of course I didn't do that but God 
God has a way of nudging you. And so that was in 2006. And so after three years of disobedience, you know, when you when God speaks to you and tells you to do something and you say no, things don't ever seem to go right for you. And he makes sure that you're uncomfortable. And I'd learned to hear God's voice many, many years before that. And I knew God had told me to do something, and I refused to do it. You know, I kind of like Jonah. If I'd have got anywhere near water, I'd have probably got swallowed by a whale. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, uh, so after three years of just struggling to make a living, uh, to have a relationship, and during... 2006, when I came back, I started thinking about, you know, it would be nice to have a wife or somebody to share my life with. I got grandkids, and I got kids of my own. and He had two I, children from his first marriage. Right. And so uh, I didn't know where this desire was coming from because, I, like I said, I'd built this wall, and my heart was so hard for, you know, to a relationship with anyone. It was just a foreign concept to me. But God, I guess God placed this desire in me. And so after three years of struggling and just barely getting by and knowing in the back of my mind that God was allowing this to happen because I wasn't obedient to what he told me to do. So in in August of 2009, I packed up my car with everything basically that I owned except for a few big pieces of furniture. I put all my clothes, you know, all my belongings in the car. I said, Lord, it's been three years and it's probably too late. But this is what the last. This was the last place where I disobeyed, and I want to follow you, and I want to, I want to fulfill your plans and purposes for my life. And being married or having a relationship, be damned. It doesn't matter to me. I will serve you for the rest of my life, and I'll and I'll obey you. And I'm starting right here and right now. Whether I have a wife or not, it doesn't matter to me. I'll live my life single, and I'll. I'll live for you and obey you. And I'm putting all that behind me about seeking out a wife. And so I went to Branson, and I stayed with my sister for about three weeks. God supplied a job for me uh, as a maintenance man uh, in the townhomes. It came with free rent, free utilities, and a salary. And so uh, it was God the whole way. You know, I'd never been a maintenance guy. I didn't know how to do maintenance work. I could sling paint, oh, you know. Yeah. So the first first, first place they put me in, she goes, well, you can start, you know, you can start by fixing that dishwasher. I never worked on a dishwasher. I didn't know how to fix a dishwasher. But I know the one that does. And I developed a relationship where God could speak to me and show me how to do things that I didn't know how to do. I pulled that dishwasher out. I turned it on its side. Within 30 minutes, I had repaired the dishwasher because the Holy Spirit was showing me what to do. And I was learning how to do things. I wasn't dependent on my knowledge, you know, or my skills. I was there in obedience to God, and the Holy Spirit came through for me. And he showed me how to, I fixed a lot of things during those few months that I was there. And and while I was there, uh, God graced me. It was 65 miles one way to go to Branson to the church. And I wasn't making a lot of money. As you can imagine, when you get your rent and your utilities paid for, they're not going to give you a huge salary, too. But I always found a way. 
I'd eat hot dogs, and I'd find a way to get back and forth to church. And I never missed a service, by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd only been there for about six weeks, and I was actually allowed the opportunity to serve. And I was in the parking lot. And the people that I worked with told me, well, that's a miracle in itself because most people, you have to be here at least six months before they'll allow you to serve in any capacity. So God is working with me. God is opening doors. And I saw a change, you know, in me and my desire to worship him and to do the right thing. And so it ended up the lady that I was working for was just flat. She was not a Christian by any means and she had uh, devised some lies to get rid of some guy that she didn't like and she wanted me to be a part of it and back her up and I told her when I hired that I won't lie and that I won't cheat and I won't steal you know and I won't and I won't be a part of anything that you know I cannot do that and so when I wouldn't do and back her up on some live things that she was saying that were lies I I left, okay, and I went to Golden, Missouri, and I stayed with my brother down there trying to find another job. And all this time, I'm going back and forth to church, you know, and I'm keeping my word to God. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do what you called me to do. And how far was that? Uh, he was, it was actually about 40 miles from where he lived to go back and forth. <laughs> so, and that was in the end of October. <clears throat> And I stayed there for about four Can you weeks. Explain that that's not that part of the country is not like here. No, it's forty miles is forty long miles, miles there is not forty miles here. That's like exactly that's a right. To Fort Worth, it's but long. Right there, it's it's yeah. And if you're behind somebody's RV and right, doing that's exactly miles, right. Right? Am I right? You are so right. <laughs> and I drove from Marionville all the way to to. Uh, was, I want to say Bentonville, but that's not right. Branson. 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 Yeah, Marionville. That was the 65-mile track. And then from Golden, it was about 40 miles one way. But you're right. I mean, it was a – you took your life – you take your life in your hand when you drive in Missouri in that part of the country because there's some crazy drivers. And if they're not totally nuts, then they're driving really slow. And you can't pass because you'll get killed. <laughs> but anyway – I stayed there with my brother and tried to find other gainful employment, which wasn't happening. But I was on Facebook one evening, and uh, I uh, I knew Tracy. This is my wife. I'm talking about Tracy. I knew Tracy from, I was friends with her sister for a while, and I had met her, and uh, we had talked a few times. She was actually married at the time. Well, her husband had committed suicide in, I believe it was 2000 and eight and so she was single and we talked for a little bit and you have to understand that during this period of time god was the only friend that i had the only because i didn't really know people at church and i lived so far away that i couldn't develop relationships with them he was my rock and i would pray and talk to god all the way to church and all the way home and and I felt isolated from other people, but that relationship with Christ is what got me through that time. And we grew closer and closer and closer. I was totally dependent on him and that relationship, you know, to keep me 
you know, excited and, and about what God was doing and where he was taking me. And so, anyway, I met my brothers, and it was on Facebook one night, and I noticed Tracy popped up and said hello, and we had a little chat there just for probably 10, 15 minutes. Wasn't much going on. I mean, we weren't, it's not like we had an instant connection or anything, but we knew each other, and we chatted, and just the pleasantries, how are you, you know, and so when that ended, and I laid down to go to sleep, Holy Spirit said to me, just plain as day. This is the woman I've chosen to be your wife. And my, my wife's very attractive, and I'd always been attracted to her. Even when she was married, she was very attractive and the kind of person that she's just sweet and a good personality and a good heart and somebody that I would be already attracted to. So basically, you know, I thought, I didn't think that much about it, but I heard it in my spirit. This is the woman that I've that I've chosen to be your wife. So that's November of 2009. Okay, uh, so I kind of just put that on the back burner because I knew if I pursued it, I would screw it up like I'd screwed up everything else in my life (laughs) to that point. And so I continued with my commitment to God to, to do what it is he was calling me to do. And so after about four weeks, I felt like God wanted me to come back here uh, my daughter had called me and said she needed someone to help with the baby. Uh, Bethany was two at that time, and they both had jobs. And so she wanted me to come and help take care of Bethany while they were working during the day. And so I really felt like that's what I needed to do because in the way God works things is in any kind of ministry, your family has to be first. You're called to minister and to your family first above anything else so I came down here obedient to what God told me to do and I spent six months with no job and by this time I'd lost my car because I couldn't make payments I didn't have a job and so I'm staying there and they're actually feeding me and taking care of me and I'm babysitting a two-year-old child for six long (laughs) long months okay and there, were, there wasn't a week went by where I didn't get up some mornings and say, God, this don't feel like your will, you know. <laughs> I don't have a job. I feel like I'm more of a burden than I'm helping. And the Holy Spirit each time, you know, there wasn't more than two weeks went by where I wasn't whining, complaining to God. You know, Lord, I want to help. And the Holy Spirit would just tell me, you are helping you're right in the center of my wheel. You're right where you're supposed to be. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And that was that was a very long, long six months. You know, because I didn't understand it. But I knew that I had to stick with what I told God back in August of 2009. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. It was hard. You know, not, had, not getting to go anywhere. You know, your fellowship was with God and a two-year-old. But I, I got I developed a good relationship with my granddaughter during that time. And I was a big help to them because they would have had to pay, I think it's like $200 a week, to have someone watch your, a two-year-old, these, you know, changing diapers. Yeah. yeah. And so I was right where God called me to be. And so in uh, May, let's see, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. So when school was out, I moved back up in here, up to Granbury with a friend. 
and uh, all the time I'm visiting different churches. I came here a few times uh, seeking God's will, you know, and things aren't going all that great. But I continued to seek God and and worked on my relationship with him. And uh, I get a call in August from my uh, from who is what's now my brother-in-law. He was my best friend in high school. And it's really weird that your best friend is now related to you. But <laughs> he called me and said that they were coming down from Missouri to visit Tracy and wanted me to come over and visit with them. He shows up at my house and comes gets me. It's just a mile or two down the street where Tracy lives from where I was staying. And that began, you know, the best relationship I've ever had in my life. Uh, I had, like I had mentioned before, I built this wall around my heart to where I didn't want to let anybody in. I, my heart had been broken so many times. When I got married, I planned on being married for the rest of my life. And I don't blame any of my ex-wives because I wasn't the man that I needed to be. I wasn't the provider I needed to be. I didn't even love myself enough, so it was really hard for me to express love to other people. Um, but I'd built this wall, and we had a nice visit, and I didn't think that much of it. And then about a week after they went back home, Tracy called me on the phone. And said, my water heater is not working. I got this valve and I can't turn it. Can you come help me? <laughs> and so I go over there. The maintenance man. And there's a valve to the water heater. And I just go like this. And, I think I've heard this story before. Yeah. And I just turn it and it wasn't stuck. There wasn't anything. There was no reason why she couldn't have turned that valve. And so when I'm turning that valve, I'm thinking, God, what is it you're up to? <laughs> You know, and so I'm remembering at this point, you know, when she called me on the phone, I started thinking back to November when the Holy Spirit gently said, this is the woman I've chosen to be your wife. And so I'm like, God, what is it? What are you up to? You know, was that really you? You know, because for a long time, I thought it was just me, you know, thinking, man, I, I'd like, but it was the Holy Spirit just plain as day told me in advance. And so here we are nine, ten months later, and God's put me in this position. And she's calling me to turn a valve that any any one of us could have turned. A four-year-old could have turned that valve. And so I, I kind of give her the, the eye like, you know, this, this there wasn't, wasn't hard to turn this valve. But she swears up and down that she couldn't turn the valve. So we start talking about, because I knew her husband, and we start talking about how she was doing Actually, when she, when her husband committed suicide, Alan and I went over and prayed with her, you know, that God yeah, would help he was, her. He so. was concerned about her, said, we need to go pray for this lady. Her mm-hmm. husband's committed suicide. He was on some kind of medicine that makes you suicidal. Yeah, depression. You know, that's that fine print we talked about Sunday. Mm-hmm. May do this, may do that. May. Yeah. It did it. And so, yeah. So well, we went and prayed with her, had no idea. Yeah. yeah, and we put a bloodline around that property. We marched around the property and prayed for God's protection and her. prayed for her for His protection because there's evil spirits involved with suicide, and so we're not going to go down that road. But so we had already prayed with her, and so we get to visiting and looking at pictures on the wall, and I'm looking for pictures of Jay, and I'm starting to see him everywhere because at first I didn't see any pictures of Jay, and I thought, well, I think it would be a good thing for her to have pictures of him 
to remind her of the good memories and the good times they had because they were married for quite a long time. And that we're looking at these pictures. It's a Sunday afternoon, and I got this wall built up around my heart, and she's talking and looking at her kids, and she'll look glance back at me, and we're standing on this wall of pictures, and she's talking about Jay and about her grandkids. And while she's looking at the pictures, I'm looking at her eyes. And I don't know how God did it, but it scared the crap out of me. But that wall that was around my heart just crumbled. And I, my knees were shaking. And I was so scared because I knew at that instant I fell in love with that woman. And I never thought that would ever be possible again. I was so scared. My knees were shaking. I had shorts on. I said, I got to go. I, you know, take me home. I didn't have a car. She had to drive me home. And she was wondering, what the hell is wrong with this guy? He's just shooting out of here. You know? And so she took me home, and then we talked on the phone a couple of days later. And she goes, what is the deal with you? Why did you just shoot out of here like that? And it was about a week or so later before I actually told her what was going on. But God instantly, all that hardness and that hurt, you know, and this wall where I couldn't let anybody in and I wouldn't let anybody in, it just crumbled in an instant, in an instant. And I knew that that was God that talked to me back in November and said, this is the woman that I've chosen for you. And so the whole reason... There were so many things that God's hand was in getting us together. Uh, the first time that we, uh, the first thing that we did together after after the incident with the plumbing was we came with it. We were having a series here at church on Wednesday night, The Power of a Whisper. Is that mm-hmm. Yeah. And we come in and we sit down. There's so many things. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I want to give you a couple of them. We sat down at this table. And the guy on the screen, on the video screen, there's no way anybody could have planned this. And the first words out of his mouth is, it is not good that man should be alone. (laughs) And she looks at me, and I look at her, and I'm going, man, God, you are really pouring it on heavy now. You know, and there was just one thing after another after another where you could see that God had orchestrated for us to be together. It was amazing. You know, he broke down the wall. He he sent signs. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you all the things that he did, and I won't try. But I said all that to say what we're what we're going to look at right now in these scriptures. So let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You have your Bibles. If you don't, it's it's on the sheets there. Uh, verse 32, it says, But I would have you without carefulness that this, he that is unmarried cares for the things that belong unto the Lord and how he may please the Lord. But he that's married cares for the things that are of the world and how he may please his wife. There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares for the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. 
But she that is married cares for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this is the verse that I want to that I want to base this teaching on. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. And so basically what Paul's saying here is if you're married, I mean, it's hard not to focus on the person that you're living with and pleasing that person. But when you're not married, you have an opportunity to focus on God and give him all your attention. And that's really what God wants. He gave his very life. He sacrificed his life. You know, he laid down his life so that you could have a relationship with him. And when we make that our focus in life is pleasing and getting to know God, then the things that we desire... It's like one of your kids, you know, you have one kid that's always saying, no, I'm not going to do that, you know, and rebellious and doesn't like you and talks ugly to you. And you have another child that cleans their room. They help with the housework. Which child gets the things that they want when it comes time to go to the summer camp? You know, it's the same way with Christ. He wants your obedience. And he wants to know that you love him. And so being single is an opportunity. And and for a long time I looked at it as, you know, what's wrong with me? It's an opportunity to get to know God in a way that you cannot know God if you're focused on having a girlfriend and all that stuff. All that is is a big distraction to keep you from knowing God and seeking intimacy with him. And and I don't care what anybody says. He died on the cross so he could have an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. That was the whole purpose. Because all the things that he has for us, whether it be a wife, whether it be a good job, whether it be prosperity, grandchildren, whatever it is, health, all those things come through intimacy with God. And so I'm a living testimony that if you lay down your life to God and make it about Him, not about you, and be obedient when He tells you to do something. Because where He where He leads, what is it? Where He leads, He leads. <laughs> where He guides, He provides. Where He guides, He provides. And and I can see that through, you know, I, even though I was disobedient for three years, God still loved me. He still cared for me. And he respected the fact that I wanted to obey, you know, even though I'd been rebellious for three years, he wasn't mad at me, you know. And there's a saying that I heard from a preacher, I can't remember who it was, but it's always stuck with me. And it says that God will never promote you beyond your last act of disobedience. So if we don't obey what we know God's told us to do, we can't expect to grow spiritually. And so I challenge each and every one of you here to go back in time. And a lot of people think they don't hear God's voice. God speaks to everybody. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening? Are we obeying what he's telling us to do? And it's a process, but you can learn to hear his voice. It's like a person that's a new friend. You meet them somewhere, and then they call you on the phone, and you're like, 
you're listening. Well, how, how do you do? You don't really recognize it. And, and eventually you have to say, who is this? Okay? And then you remember. Okay? But after a while, they call you a few more times. You probably have to do that a few more times. But after four, five, six times of calling you, you know, without the caller ID even, you start to know their voice. And it's the same way with God. Each and every one of us in this room, God speaks to. And the more you practice listening, the more you'll know his voice. God is speaking to the people in this room right now. So I want to encourage you to listen and obey. And there's one more thing I want to go over with y'all, and it's a challenge to each and every one of you. And any time that I teach, I always try to give you a point of action, something that you can take with you and do that will cause you to grow spiritually or in your intimacy with God. And uh, these are scriptures that I prayed. I was seeking the Lord with my whole heart during this time. My brother and I talked about tongues and, you know, does God heal today? And I just, all I did was repeat the stuff that my preachers had taught me in the Good Baptist Church that I went to. Well, if you speak in tongues, you're speaking of the, you know, that's the devil speaking through you. I don't want no part of that. You know, and God doesn't heal today. The apostles, that all flared away with the apostles. And that's what men had taught me. But when I started searching the scriptures, I couldn't find that anywhere in the Bible. And, I, and one of the things that the fundamentalist Baptist churches, they always told us, is this is the basis for our faith. This is the foundation of our faith. And so I began to search the scriptures, and someone put a book in my hands with these prayers in it. And, I, and it's called uh, The Authority of the Believer by Kenneth Hagin. And he challenges you to pray this prayer. Who was the author? Kenneth Hagin. Oh, okay. And he challenges you in these, and I'm seeking God. I said, Lord, the only thing I know for sure about you is that I was born again when I was 12 years old, and I asked you to come into my heart. And I've never really studied the scriptures. I went to a Christian school. I made light of the scriptures. We would save uh, chapters and things out loud, and I would talk, you know, off of the rhythm and, and I would make light of the scriptures. There's many times that I think the only reason that God valued my life enough to keep me from dying was the scriptures that were in me. You know, and I made light of it. And so I said, Lord, I want to search your word. I want to know you. First of all, I want to have a personal relationship with you. I want to know the truth. Do you still heal today? Is tongues for real? Is being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Is that a real experience? So I start reading and I'm saying, all these people got baptized in the Holy Spirit back in Acts. Let's see, this chapter 1, chapter 2, 7, 14, I'm going through. Look at all these people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so I start reading through the epistles, and I see many places where Paul would say, I believe Romans is one of the places where he said, I perceive of a truth that God is no respecter of persons. So I put that those two things together, and I say, well, if God did it for them... If he's not a respecter of persons, then he would do it for me, wouldn't he? Okay, and what sealed the deal is Hebrews chapter 13 where it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God showed me truth through my reading the scriptures and seeking him and praying these prayers. And I experienced God like I had never experienced him before. Because in these prayers, these are prayers that Paul prayed for the church, and I would personalize them. And where he says... That they, I would say that I. And so you take these prayers and you personalize them and you seek God with your whole heart. 
And in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10, 12, 10 through 13, I think it's in there. It says, For as the rain comes down and waters the earth, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return void, but it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it, and it will accomplish what I please. So one of the highest forms of prayer is to return his word to him. So I challenge each and every one of you to take these scriptures home. Get on your knees and say, God, I want to know you. You can be born again and not know God. If you don't believe me, look at the words of Jesus when people will come to him and say, Lord, we cast out devils, we healed the sick, we did all this stuff. And he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I didn't know you. So you can be saved and not know God. And you don't want to, you don't want God saying that to you. But I know personally, there's no way that God could ever say to me that he didn't know me. And the word know there that's used when he says I didn't know you, that's the same word that is used for intimacy when it talks about he he knew the woman or the woman knew him. It's talking about intimate relationship. And so can we stand before God and say and have him say, I never knew you intimately, and that be the truth? I don't want that for any of y'all, and I don't want it for me. I want to know that I know that I have an intimate relationship with God. And these prayers right here, if you seek him with your heart, and you'll do this, you know, out of a, a grateful and a, and a sincere heart, motive is 90% of it, you know. If you'll take these scriptures and read them out loud and personalize them, God will show up and he'll make himself real to you. And he'll allow you to have intimate relationship with him. And you'll know him like you've never known him before. Just like I got to know him, I had like a four-month period where I would I would go to work and I couldn't wait to get home and shut my door and I'd get on my knees and I'd pray these prayers. And God would show up. It was like liquid love just engulfed the room. And I, I was like a junkie. I couldn't stop, you know, and I didn't want to stop. I fasted eating and drinking. I didn't drink water or food for seven days because I craved this relationship more than I craved anything else. That was the beginning of a long journey for me. So that's enough about my testimony, but let's read these prayers. Paul says that I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I want you to pay special attention to what he's asking for. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto us, unto me, you would say it, you personalize, give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him or in knowing him. That the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward me who believes according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set, his, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. You're praying for the same power that raised Jesus from the dead to be made real in you. And believe me, it's there. And he wants to bring it alive to you. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named also, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he's put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him that fills all in all. We're going to skip over to chapter 3 and continue. For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that he would grant me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with my, by his Spirit in my inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart by faith, and that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that I might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think, According to the power that works in us, there's that resurrection power you prayed for in the first prayer. Unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So I want to challenge each of you to take one of these. If you don't have one, take it home with you and get serious about a relationship with God. Because in doing that, You'll find it's along the path that God has for you. That's where the person that he has for you is. Now, uh, was there a time where the Lord brought you to a place where you were okay with being single? You totally surrendered to that? Yeah, when I left for, when I left to, beginning of the story, when I left to go to, uh, to Branson and surrendered and said, Lord, I'm going to do this, I gave up. You know, I told him, Lord... You know, I'll live single for you the rest of my life. I said, I don't even care about finding a woman. You know, I, I'm i going to consecrate myself to obeying you and not ever going three years and knowing that you called me to do something and not doing it. And it was it was along that path of obedience and walking out his will for me where he put this woman in line with me. And he'll do the same for you. No respecter of persons. He doesn't change. But God wants your heart to be for him. All the things that he has for you come through intimacy with him. Everything. All right. Anybody have any questions? I have a question about the seven days without drinking anything. No water, no food. No food. You sip uh, no food. No food, no water. Wow. that's a, that would be a miracle. That would have been a miracle. Yeah, you know, you get no water, that's... But I was never thirsty and I was never hungry. It was during this time when I was I was living off my the presence of God in my room when I would go meet with Him. And I didn't get hungry and I didn't get thirsty. I, honestly, I didn't go out in the sun and work during that time. I think I worked two days out of that seven days. Well, that would have been supernatural because your body cannot... Right, and I've had people tell me that, but I've never really considered it, and I didn't think about uh, it. At three, the time. three days, three days without water, you're sick. Three days without water, Jesus and Moses. Yeah. Well, uh, Moses, uh, Moses, to, Moses, Moses Jesus. Two. Actually, Moses went eighty yeah, days. Moses did, but Jesus got hungry. He didn't say he got thirsty, so mm-hmm. he may have gone with water. Okay. Yeah. But Moses went. Wow, actually, it's Moses got this. Well, see, that never crossed my mind. Wow. I wanted that intimacy with God so bad, and I wanted to be clean. When, I mean, there's something about when God shows up, it makes you want to be clean and pure in His presence. I, I can't explain it. I'm sorry? I can't hear you. I still have that block in my heart, you know? 
Maybe I should just turn everything over to the Lord. Yeah. You know, Sitting here listening to you and being among people here. I'm going to go ahead and share a song, but it's just a chorus. And if you know it, I want you to sing it with me. Because it's what I experienced during during that four months in 1989 when I really got to know God and developed a relationship with Him. friends for as I shared earlier for years and he did come to a place of not fretting about being single he actually thought maybe he's gonna be single the rest of his life but in his case well, the Lord had a surprise for him and so his faith is that he has surprises for everybody so if you don't want to be married God's called you to singleness and you know what don't let anything distract you but if your heart, you really do want to be single, I just think what he's saying is draw near to God with all your heart and trust him to bring things to pass. And Thank you, Scott. Mm-hmm.